0: To Bottle Talk With Rick and Paul I'm Rick Cushman And I'm Paul Wagner Paul you are going To love today's show And you know why I have new studies online Uh Oh Yep, yep. And they're about wine. And, well, you know, they're wine and smarts and all kinds of fun stuff like that. Oh, look out. Yep, 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 absolutely. We have (laughs) some pretty uh, darn horrible wine writing. We have listener questions about room temperature, dry wines, and a kind of boyfriend who may be snobby. Kind of boyfriend who may be Mm. snobby. Not a real boyfriend, just a kind of. And as usual, we will make fun of wine snobs, even that kind of boyfriend. Whom we don't know, but he might even be a nice guy maybe but if we can't ruin a relationship why do we even do this podcast ball <laughs> and by the Fair way enough. a couple of reminders uh we're proud to say we are now on Capital Public Radio's podcast lineup still there despite uh, all of their misgivings all next to those important people yeah you would think you would think a place that would Uh, highlight NPR's Best would know better. But there you go. And also, an invitation to everyone who's listening is that we were taping a show live at the Four Fires Festival in Plymouth at the Amador County Fairgrounds on May 6th, that's Amador County, great wine country. <laughs> come see us. This is a, The festival itself is going to be pretty good, too, I understand, but we're going to be just oh, a heck of yeah. a lot of
1: fun. We're just going to, yes. Yes. We're
0: going to bring the house down. Yeah, well, we may bring the entire festival down, <laughs> um, so, but come ask Gravity us a question. Gravity Flow Festival. Yes. <laughs> Heckle us, throw things, that sort of stuff. All right, Paul, here we go. Uh, I need to say if anything here is construed as medical advice, um, the first thing you, shouldn't should, be. you should know is do not take medical advice from us. We or are,
1: financial advice. Right. Or really, or relationship? Any advice at all? Yeah, any advice?
0: Yeah, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna see in a minute why you shouldn't take relationship advice, but that's, that's right. another thing. All right, uh, people keep asking, so we keep answering. But here is the study, because uh, you know how much I love me my studies. So this one is uh, basically says people who drink regularly may actually have healthier hearts than those people who don't drink regularly or those who abstain completely. Okay. This comes from researchers at the Norwegian University of Science and Technology and the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm. They published two papers, one in the International Journal of Cardiology and another in the Journal of Internal Medicine. Those sounds like actual places. They sound yeah. like really, yeah. All right. So here's what they said. They said people who drink three to five drinks per week were 33% less likely to experience heart failure. And it didn't matter what alcohol they drank. They suggested doing making it a habit of, of doing that weekly. Rick. I think you already do that. Yeah. Well, I'm, I, at the, the way I drink, your uh, heart I'm, should
1: I'm be... like 1,033%. <laughs> your heart should be ready for anything.
0: Well, here's the thing. So they said um, uh, the five drinks was the ideal, actually, so for a week.
1: Darn it. Oh, because so that's, that's, f- five a day and you'd be right in the – that'd be your sweet Monday, spot.
0: That's Monday morning. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know, the rest of my week. Um, uh, what they say is besides stress reduction, the researchers said they found that alcohol helps lead to good cholesterol. It reduces Mm -hmm. risk of heart attack by 28% with every drink up to that five. Mm -hmm. Um, More, however, they say is not so good.
1: Okay. Yeah. So
0: there's one. All right. Now, here's one. I like this one. They said this is a study that says it's possible wine and other alcohol can make you smart. At least for a while, you wouldn't know it from this listening is, to us, would no, you? No, you would not. That that is that is uh, yeah. You would. It, it would, may
1: make you think
0: you're smart, but <laughs> well, that's something else entirely. That is if, that's beer goggles. If, if, yeah, it's right. If anybody if anybody heard our St. Patrick's Day show, that was Cliff Clavin who's, uh, from Cheers, basically explaining that. But um, in any case, this is a recent studies by a psychology professor at the University of Illinois Chicago show that a few drinks actually relax our brains and allow us to think more clearly. Well, I get the first
1: part. Actually, I get the second part too, Rick. I, I don't understand. Well, I, um, one of the things I love to do is solve complicated crossword puzzles. Wait, wait. Uh, you're going too fast no, for no, me. No, no. Just slow down. I, I must have had a drink. <laughs> That's right. So it relaxes your brain. I find that when I have a particularly difficult crossword puzzle clue, as I relax at the end of the night, I will even mm. even to the point turn off the light, mm. start to go to sleep. The answer comes to me. Well, they also actually do talk about
0: that. that's another whole phenomenon that is sometimes it, uh, different parts of our brain, like when you you right. know you're working on something and then you go for a walk, or you think right. about stuff when you're taking a shower that you had been trying to figure out, or all yep. that kind of stuff. Yep. So we so should try that with the show. Yeah, do while we're taking a shower. Well, we should try thinking about it one <laughs> more. That would be hideous, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think anybody even wants to hear well, I can't that. hear you. <laughs> a little more hot water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I think that image alone <clears throat> is going to send people scurrying. That's at least a mash unit, All right. Let me, uh, let me get yeah. to this study while we still can. So um, uh, what they said was they showed 24 sober people and 24 people with blood alcohol level of 0.07, which is— Below the legal uh, limit. Below the legal limit. Right. The two photos. And they asked both groups to find the differences between them. Oh, I do those in the Sunday paper. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was probably the little cartoons. I love that. They're all for sixth graders, you know. (laughs) That's right. Just about right for me. They stymie me. So so both groups found equal numbers of differences. However, the group with the little bit of booze in the bud stream found them faster. Found them faster. faster. Found them faster. Yeah. And the reason was they didn't overthink things, which is –
1: that's, That's just the way we do this show. We do not overthink anything. pass me the soap no. <laughs> Yes. <laughs>
0: Overthinking is not one of our strengths, actually. Um, and so they did a separate study, by the way. Uh, the professor found the same amount of alcohol helps, is that again, 0.07 versus sober, Yep, helps create a problem solving, which is what you were talking about, right. and better brainstorming. Yep. So what the prophet did was she asked her subjects to come up with a fourth word that would make a phrase out of these three other words she gave right, them. An right. example
1: was so the three words would be hand, split, and city. Hand, split, and city. Okay, Let me go to sleep, and on my way, and when as yes. I start to fall asleep, I'll come up with the answer, which is. Or we'll give second. you a drink. Second, like second hand, split second, and second, second city. city. Right.
0: So that's that was the puzzle they were trying to solve, right. and the teams who had that drink solved the puzzles
1: faster and came up with more solutions. Absolutely right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. This is why. Yes, it's a. It's the. I could have told you this, Rick. Well, and so um, I think
0: that uh, – I think the solution to the show
1: – More wine. Of, more wine. More wine. I think
0: that's it. Yep. Um, uh, and one of these days, maybe we'll get we'll get smarter. All right. Well, that's it for the <laughs> studies for the moment. I
1: will besiege you I'll with more. You, I'll bet you have more of these in your back pocket. Oh, I've got studies coming out of all of my pockets. I don't want to hear it. That's right, enough. So, um, okay. but,
0: uh, and we're about to go take some questions, but before we do – Uh, We want to continue to answer a question that we uh, started to answer last week and really actually realized afterwards, thanks to our alert uh, producer, Matt Piscini, was that we didn't completely answer the question. Actually, what Matt suggested is we should have a couple of drinks and think about that answer. Yes. He's, yeah, I think he cemented, suggested we should go for a walk, too, but that was a whole <laughs> different thing. So we, had, uh, we got a, a question uh, about decanting. Uh, decanting a wine and, and how right. long you should decant a wine for. Right. And, and what we really didn't explain was those two things, which is what decanting is. Yes, and um, and how it works, and and right. whether right you and what what this question included was uh, this was uh, somebody who had decanted wine for twenty four hours right and it got better, um and and that actually is very rare so we so need to make let's that talk point. about what
1: decanting is first it is a, taking a cant and. No, 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 okay. no, no. Have another <laughs> glass. Have another glass. <laughs> I'm not same thing is problem when You well. take a bottle and it's almost always done only with red wine, um, never with sparkling wine, very rarely with white wine. But red wines. A are, new young red wine. Or old red wine. Well, that we but talked about in, that. That's a different. In either case, yeah. what you do is you open the bottle. And then you pour that bottle into another container. Now it couldn't be a an official decanter. Um, I, for years, used an old uh, milk bottle as a decanter because mm. it was kind of campy and cool. But all you need is something that you can you could decant if you needed a to into a juice pitcher. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's what decanting is: pouring the wine from one bottle out of its first bottle into another bottle.
0: And what's happening is you're exposing it to oxygen and and as we've an example we've used many many times is take an apple, slice it, stick it on your counter, watch it
1: turn brown in just a few minutes. Right. And you realize that's the impact that oxygen has on things. Right. And you do this with a young wine to give it more oxygen because oxygen helps those aromas develop and makes the wine let's say develop more bouquet. But an older wine as you're pouring from the bottle into the decanter, you're leaving The sediment behind. Now, one of the things Matt asked was first of all, what do you pour it into? I think we just answered that part. But the other question he says is what do you do with the decanter after you've poured the wine into it? Uh, Room temperature or slightly cooler. The wine should be the right temperature when you decant it. But if you're decanting, if you're decanting an hour or two before dinner, Rick, what's the rule about what temperature you want your red wine in? What do you do with the decanter? Oh, I
0: don't let wine sit that long. I just drink it. You just
1: drink it straight No, after. it's, uh,
0: you know, it's the, it, it, people have a 10-minute rule of 20-minute. Mine's 10. 10. Which is 10 minutes out for red wine, 10 minutes in the fridge. Right. And our white wine, just take it, cool it out it for it 10 minutes. Just it down a little bit to yeah. bring it
1: down to the right temperature. So, yeah. But you can just leave the wine in the decanter on the counter in your, in your kitchen until it's time to serve it. Put it in the fridge for 10 minutes. Pull it out. Should be good to go. Yeah. And the other, the other question that
0: uh, Matt alertly asked was, you know, which, what kinds of wines does decanting help? If right. he opens a bottle of wine and, and doesn't particularly like it, what kinds? And he was saying like the ones that sort of him have like dried fruits and, you know, maybe even a little pruny or dried right. raisiny. Those are wines that are actually decanting won't help. Right, Because those are wines with either aged grapes or the wine itself is sort of aged somehow in the bottle. And so decanting is only going to actually accentuate that. In most cases, yeah. But when a wine is what we call tight, so it maybe tastes a little more acidic and there aren't a lot of flavors to it, yep. that's the wine that's going to
1: open up It's on become you. less of an issue because most wineries are making wines to drink now mm-hmm. and they're supposed to taste good now. And so wineries are expecting you to open and pour them straight from the bottle into your glass and drink them. But every once in a while Oh, you- wait, you're supposed to... Use A glass. You're supposed to use a glass, yes. Oh, there's so many tricks to this. And that explains all those stains down the front of your shirt. Yeah, that's why I wear dark colors. (laughs) Uh, But at the same time, there are wines, whether it's vintage ports or sometimes somebody just gives you an old bottle of wine as a present, a little charming present. It probably wouldn't be a bad idea to decant off the sediment because the problem is the sediment sets up on the sides of the bottle. If you pour, put the bottle up. Pour, stand the bottle up. Pour, stand the bottle up. Ultimately, you're what you're doing in, yeah. is you're washing all that sediment back into the wine.
0: And Yeah. And so the way you do that is is you pour it into another container. And you hold a light behind it is the best way to do it. Yeah, you know, actually underneath it. Underneath yeah. it. So you can see through. Right, right. And, right. and you know, the old classic was uh, a ca- a candle. But any, right. any light, including your cell phone, will do just fine. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yep. Or in some cases, it's, I use the bright light of my wit. See, the dim got, the, bulb of the, your the, wit. The dumbfounded did you say? look on bulb. <laughs> Hall, I hope taste. you have a
1: couple of glasses of wine and your blood alcohol <laughs> yes. level is 0.07 yes. before you well, turn I, on the dim bulb of your wit. I
0: was going to say, using that bright light of my wit to decant, is, some reason, must explain why I have so much sediment in everything <laughs> I drink. But. All right. We've got some questions. Uh, oh, good. Time to, to take new questions. And if you'd like to ask us one, uh, go to our website, rickandpaulwine.com. That's uh, if you're not there. If you are there, what's stopping you? This first one comes from Finn in San Diego. Yep. And it actually sort of connects right to what we were just talking about. He says, what do they mean by room temperature? I see that a lot for wine. I get it for food. But is it different for wine? And the answer is actually Yeah.
1: Yes, it is, yes, it is. Um, and it's the a thing to remember is talking about. the thing to remember is that the old rules for serving wine came from Victorian England when the nobility drank wine, the lower classes drank mm-hmm. beer.
0: If I may change that just a moment, it's not rules, guidelines. The guidelines. guidelines. Well, right. you
1: know. Um, And what they said was you should serve your red wines at room temperature. But, of course, the noble families of Great Britain in the 1800s lived in stone houses. And if they hit 60 degrees on a warm day, that was a good thing. So what we're really looking for for red wine is 60 to 65 degrees to serve your wine at. And Which most, gets back to my put it in the fridge thing for 10 minutes. Because most Americans keep their houses warmer than I it. certainly try to. Yes, you do. Yes. I'm yep. a And in Sacramento in man. the summertime, it doesn't take much. It does not take much. Open the window, actually. <laughs> um, that's what I do. Yep. All right. So that's what room temperature is.
0: And for a white, it's, you, know, you don't get that very often to serve it at no, room temperature. No, usually the yeah. only
1: wine you serve, the, traditionally the wine that you serve at room temperature is red wine, and that really means 60 to 65 degrees. Everything else gets served cooler than that. Remember that wine is a refreshment. It should be refreshing. Oh, wow. Look at you with your slogans. There you go. All right. The next
0: one is from Ellen in Dallas. My new kind of boyfriend might be a snob. Uh-oh. I can't tell yet. she says. He tastes flavors in wine I never taste. He tries to be nice about it, but he still sounds like he's talking to me like I'm a slow first grader. Ooh. But when I smell wine, it sometimes makes me remember places. What's going on here? And by the way, is my boyfriend a jerk? He also usually gets me to use my app for
1: my app for the Uber ride so I have to pay. Oh, he's a jerk. He's a jerk. Yeah, that one's easy. Yeah. If 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 you're paying for the Uber, Ellen, um he's a jerk. Yeah, yep. Yep.
0: But the but the taste thing, well, the way he talks to you about it That's uh, a jerk. That's a jerk too. Yeah. But some you know, getting memories is, is actually much more common. You know, smell goes to our emotional zone first It, in it our goes brain.
1: to the oldest part of our brain yeah. and absolutely is connected with memory. In fact, there's At, a there's in some... Paul's case, by the way. That's a very old brain we're talking about. <laughs> right. It's a uh it's a really cool thing that they've done some studies that when people are Focusing on smell, whether it be perfume or other things, their verbal acuity goes down because their brain is so focused on memory and – In fact, they can't even say verbal
0: acuity when they're focusing on – Say what? (laughs) <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so, and you know, and that is actually, if you, it, that if you think about, like, sort of how we developed as a
1: species, right? Smell was in some ways a, a, a
0: defensive mechanism.
1: Oh, baby! And not only not only to identify predators and foes, but yeah, absolutely to figure out is this safe to eat yeah. or is this not safe to eat. Right.
0: So that's the emotional and the memory part. Is it is sort of implants. Yep. Um, and so it really yep. takes a little effort to bring it. It's it's also interestingly enough, um, or not so interesting. Enough, But it's also kind of why we always say that wine is a little bit of a creature of suggestion where if you say, I'm smelling blackberries or tasting blackberries, everybody now suddenly gets blackberries because right. it comes to mind. Where now right. we're, now yeah. we're sort of looking yeah. for the flavor hard, of Hard
1: to separate the brain from the sensory Experience on that.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, in, in my case, it's hard to even to identify my brain being part of it, but that's another whole thing. So,
1: Ellen, um, so, it's so, not a problem that he smells things in wines that you do not because but, clearly but you thing is... smell things in wine that he does not. Yep. Though you're smelling memories that he does not. But the fact that he talks to you like a first gra- slow first grader and makes you pay for the Uber— we smell a snob. Not a good idea. Yeah, we smell a jerk. That, uh, I say get rid of it,
0: especially the Uber thing. Um, yep. Seriously. Uh, nothing else, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I... I... Now, of course, <laughs> you can't f- figure out how to load the app. That might be a whole separate thing, but, um, you know,
1: that's... <laughs> in which case, that would be her opportunity to yes. talk to him like a slow first There grader. you go. All right.
0: Well, that's it that's for questions for now. We will have more in just a bit. Uh, uh, but first up, you are listening to Ball Talk with Rick and Paul, and it is time for some really horrible wine writing. Ah yes, that is it. That is the signal. That is it makes it brings up the memory of really horrible wine writing.
1: The stench, <laughs> the stench. of really horrible wine writing for <laughs> me. <laughs> All right, Paul. That, speaking yeah. of stench, uh, what do you bring us? Well, um, I've got one. That, a word that I just find a little problematic, which is fleshy. Yeah. Well, it's uh, this wine has a fleshy texture. Yeah. And I'm sorry, there are just so many more attractive ways to say that than fleshy. I'm not even sure what uh, somebody means by that. Meat on the
0: bones. But it's wine. <laughs>
1: Rich, I suppose, would work. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Smooth, two words Smooth. that those guys yes, hate. But you can't yeah. say that. You've got to say fleshy. 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 Yeah. I, yeah. Fleshy, it always yeah. makes me feel like there may just be a little piece of the wine that's outside the glass. Oh, yeah. doesn't I, fit I see, in the glass. See, yeah, you know? I'm kind of the,
0: suck like a dead animal in kind it. Kind of like the it.
1: muffin look, you know? On the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wine won't fit in the look, glass. Yeah. It's a fleshy
0: wine. It's a fleshy. It's flopping around in the glass. And <laughs> you know, you know. yeah, What do you have? I got one. This is from uh, a website. that is trying to rave about a wine. Okay. <laughs> and, so, and I, I first want to say one thing, which is the idea of, you know, evoking an image is, is a nice thing. Yes. But it helped me a little. So here's the thing. If you've ever driven driven along California's Highway 1, better known as the PCH, then you know that you, as you motor along the picturesque coastline between Paso Robles and Monterey, you'll see several rocky outcrops with old, gnarled cypress trees reaching off the cliffs. cliffs. Okay. These beauties thrive in this environment, as do the grapevines in the vineyards right nearby. This wine will leave you dreaming of your next drive
1: along the PCH. So what does it taste like? Tastes like PCH. Yeah. Uh, okay, I, can I just point something out as a native born Northern California? I know where you're going with this. Nobody, nobody outside of LA calls Highway 1 the PCH. And
0: PCH kind of goes only up to Santa Barbara. Nobody ever That's calls right. it no. exactly right, having my north, first it's, thought. It's Highway 1. Right. Right, right. So these clearly are not Californians. <laughs> and if you're dreaming of PCH, you're probably thinking about Laguna Beach or Newport Beach, and it's so- <laughs> right. honey and it's saw, so- and That's you're drinking right. margaritas. <laughs> That's yeah. right, and a surfboard. Yep, yep. Uh, yep. But I love, I love that um, alleged connection.
1: You know, rocky outcrops and old gnarled cypress trees.
0: And then, by the way, there's vineyards somewhere in the neighborhood. There are because yeah. I've driven. They're not actually they're not. right. Not the, where there's the gnarled cypress trees no, and rocky outcrops. It's too
1: cold and foggy. The right. Grapevines are all yes. well inland of there.
0: Yes, and then as much as uh, uh, that picture, that uh, overwritten picturesque description uh, evokes something, doesn't tell me anything about the wine. No, not even color. Right, right. C- could be garnet. <laughs> it probably is garnet because it's always garnet. Uh, this, <laughs> this wine, by the way, was uh, – there's no way I'd even guess. It was a Pinot Noir.
1: There you go. It was
0: garnet. Yeah. I was right. You were right, yeah. See? Yeah, could have been. But yes, uh, that that PCH thing really got me too. They yeah. just decided somebody in the marketing department said, you know, let's make <laughs> let's connect this wine to the PCH. Yep, right, right wrong, wrong. Yeah, that's, that's anyways. Let's okay, it out. Well, I think it's time to take another question or two while we still have a couple minutes. Good. And um, this one is, oh, you know, uh, this is good. By the way, uh, reminder: ask us one, please. We love questions. This is our Fresno Enclave is back. We haven't heard from them in a while. That's right. If anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, we actually surprisingly have a group of fans in Fresno. Yes. um, And and God bless them for that. This is from Jackie. What does dry really mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have friends who say they like dry wine, but the Chardonnay they have sometimes seems a little sweet to me. And what does it mean when a recipe calls for a dry white wine?
1: Perfect. Yeah, good questions. So technically... Traditionally, classically, dry means no sugar in the wine. But See, I thought there was no moisture. No. It was like powder. Yeah. No, that's, it's not powdered that's instant wine. wine. Ah, just instant add, wine. You just add wine. You know, it's not a bad sign. So- oh, you know, actually, somebody tried that. Yeah, they used to alcohol. Wine it didn't mix. work. Yeah, it did, No, it does. Yeah. yeah. So dry dry technically means no sugar. But Jackie's absolutely right. that There are an awful lot of wines on the market these days that, are sold as if they were dry wines, in other words, using varietal names that are traditionally made dry, but have just a little I, bit he's of sugar percent a percent. A, per, a percent. Yeah. I, I, and I, Noticeable.
0: I, yeah, yeah. I think, um, right, don't, they say like a percent on down, you, wouldn't, you can't identify it. It's actually a little lower than that. Is that it's what about it is? 0.7. But, you know, yeah. you, you can find Chardonnays that
1: are close to 2% sugar. Yes.
0: And, and that gives it a body, a sense of richer fruit
1: sometimes. And some sweetness. And some sweetness. And, yes, People, but the the other question though is why I have friends who say they like dry wine. Why do they say that? And that goes back to the '50s and '60s when the assumption was dry wines were pure and sweet wines were somehow concocted and made sweet so that it covered up anything that was wrong with the fruit. Now that's well, I think there's
0: also that you know what I'm saying is I don't like you know, Boone's Farm or Ripple or one of those sorts of wines. You don't. I think that's what they're saying. Oh, I'm I'm totally good drink with it. You, yeah, if it's
1: wine in a bag, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but so there's that reaction to oh, I don't like sweet wine now. I will tell you that I've done a ton of winemaker dinners where you pour, you know, a dry white, another dry right, a dry red, another dry... And you go around pouring the last wine, the dessert wine, and you offer that to everybody at the table, and all the, half the people say, oh, I won't have the sweet. I don't like this. You pour it anyway. Go around that table at the end of the dinner and tell me which glass is absolutely empty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uh, the, the sweet, sweet wine, wine every sure. time.
0: Well, and, and because in that context, by the way, then the sweet wine is, quote, unquote, respectable. Yes. And, you know, we've done a show on sweet wines. We should do another because yep. it's been a while and yep. there are some really fabulous, fabulous wines that yep. are sweet. Absolutely. Yep. But in that case, um, and Jackie, they, the answer is what they really
1: do mean is they just mean regular wine. And they what, like wine. And, and when they say dry white wine in a recipe, what they really mean is what we consider to be white table wine. What they don't want you to use is sherry or some Madeira, something that people might— That really might, are legitimately sweet. Not only sweet, they're also oxidized. Right, and when they and say dry fortified. white wine, what they really mean is wine that's fresh and light and white. So yeah. almost anything that's sold as a white wine in California today will yep. work for dry white wine that way.
0: Absolutely, and and you know, and then you can sort of go with the flavors for what you're doing. You know, if it's you want a sort of a neutral white wine for a for a dish, sometimes Pinot Gris mm-hmm. a fine choice. If you want something a little herbal, maybe a Sauvignon Blanc, mm-hmm. a little richer
1: Chardonnay, all of them work. Appley, you can cook a lot of that. Applely character. Do you yep. use the Boone's Farm? Yep.
0: There you go. <laughs> there you go. So that's what that means. All right. This is from Jacob and Davis.
1: Now there's wine country.
0: That yeah, is. Well, it is actually. Um, uh, why don't restaurant servers ever use foil cutters? I watch them nearly take off a thumb trying to get the foil part <laughs> off. Sometimes it seems like it would be so much easier. That's a really good question, and it is against the quote-unquote etiquette rules of the, you know, the, the master psalm
1: training. training. That's right.
0: There is one real reason.
1: Right, which, which is, is that the cutters actually don't cut the foil where you're supposed to cut the foil. You're supposed right. to cut that foil not at the very top of the bottle but underneath that little lip that goes around the top of the bottle. And foil cutters don't do that. So that's a problem. But he's absolutely right. When I have seen amateurish – Waiters taking those foils off. There are times, and I know you've had the same reaction, Rick, where you just want to want reach to out and them. say, "Here, just give me the bottle. I'll take it from here." Somebody's going to get hurt the way you're doing that.
0: Yeah, and and th- that's and the reason why you cut below that thick rip lip is because sometimes when you just did a little bit of foil, you know, there's stuff on it, and it can, the wine will pour over it, and you know, it's just that's, a little less pure. And and it drips less if you yeah. cut it down below. You so. know, the, I have uh, one of the restaurants I go to, and I love that they do this. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty casual place with really good food and a solid wine list, but they're no pretension. And to make it easier on their servers, they say, just take off the whole foil.
1: Oh boy! That's
0: so what they just do. And they just they yeah. slice it off and then slip it off. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. Okay, it's not proper. These are not people that are studying for their. MS they don't use test. their teeth
1: or anything. No, no, that. No. no. They
0: just slice the foil at <laughs> the bottom and, and slips right off. And in the, I, in I'm cases, reminded
1: I once did a I once did a video with Tim Gazer, Master Sommelier, and how to take the capsule and how to open a bottle of wine. And his suggestion for someone who wanted to. Who, who just yanked the capsule off the bottle, was maybe they should look for a job in construction. <laughs>
0: well... Uh, Tim and I love Tim. He's a great guy. And he is. He's so completely unpretentious. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't. Care. It isn't that hard, Rick. Yeah. Uh, well, it isn't that hard. For to me, Paul, everything is hard, <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> including doing this show, <laughs> as is clearly evident in listening to it. <laughs> so that's it for another round of this before uh, before I mess anything else up. Um, our, our steadfast producer is Matt Pacini. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Thanks to Capital Public Radio for both the studio use and for their steadfastness in keeping us on their podcast. Lineup. I keep waiting for the print to get smaller and smaller, but it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, someday. Uh, and come see us at Amador Four Fires in Plymouth on May 6th. It's mm-hmm. a Saturday. It would be fun. If you learned anything today, we hope it's Wine Makes You Smart. Maybe. And and don't take health advice from us. Do not take health advice from us. Yes. Especially the thing about wine making you smart. All right, anyway, I'm Rick Cushman. (laughs) And I'm Paul Wagner. (laughs) And remember the best wines you drink are with friends. Or with us. Especially us.